0: Nothing's impossible with God. That's what the angel Gabriel said to Mary, a message that came from God himself. The angel had just given her the news she'll become pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit and that her son will grow up to rule on his father David's throne forever and he'll be called son of the Most High. And as implausible as it sounds, Mary believes him. Her response to that statement, nothing is impossible with God, is, I am the Lord's servant, may it be to me as you have said. See, that's what it looks like to have faith in God's power and in his promises. You are God and I'm not. Bring it on. I trust you. I don't have all the answers, but I trust you that if you give me the task, you'll give me the resources to do it. Now, I guess most of us would agree with that, uh, at least theoretically. Uh, May it be to me as you've said. uh, At least theoretically. But I wonder how many of us fail at the implementation of that, at actually putting that faith into practice. When God commands us, do we say, may it be to me as you have said? And it's not even in the really big areas. I wonder whether we don't put God's, uh, we we don't trust God, uh, that nothing's impossible with him in these ordinary, everyday choices that we make. There's a temptation to resist. Something doesn't work out the way that we plan and we choose to complain about it. Or we become anxious or stressed rather than calm and confident. We say with our heads, yes, we trust you, nothing's impossible, but our actions show something different. Or perhaps there's an opportunity to show costly love. Or there's a test of our priorities. There's an opportunity to show courage rather than fear. Maybe a choice to seek first God's kingdom rather than our own kingdom. Those choices that we face every day and in the face of them we choose to say, I'm not sure I trust God. I think I want to do my own thing. Well, if that's you, as it is me, let's listen again to the Christmas story. Let's remind ourselves of the invincible power and the rich love of God who gives us salvation and gives us himself. Nothing is impossible with God. What seems impossible is actually true. Jesus became human. God became human. Late in time, behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail, the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Nothing is impossible with God. Remind yourself of that, so that your response may be that of Mary's trusting obedience. May it be to me as you have said. But be- Because the God who used Mary is the God who wants to use you. Who chooses humble, downtrodden, dependent people who look to him to do the impossible. No matter how unlikely it seems, God is able. No matter how many people disagree, God is able. No matter how big the task, God is able. So trust him. That's the message. You could leave now, but I encourage you to stay as we look at these verses. That's the summary. Uh, So beginning in verse 26, God sends Gabriel to deliver the message. Now, Gabriel means mighty man of God. But his message is not for anyone who is like that. His message is for an insignificant young girl. Her ancestors are not important enough to mention. Her only claim to fame is she's promised in marriage to Joseph, who's a distant descendant of King David. That's verse 27. But Mary is just the sort of person that God is interested in. God favours insignificant people. Nothing is impossible with God. Gabriel says to her in verse 28, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Now that word translated greetings is actually rejoice. Why rejoice? Because Mary is highly favoured. God is with her. Out of all the people of Israel, God has decided to shower her with his good gifts. Rejoice, says the angel. Now perhaps it's all a bit much to take in because, well, Mary doesn't immediately obey. She doesn't immediately jump for joy. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled uh, at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. It's a command to rejoice, but instead Mary is greatly troubled. Perhaps even a little suspicious. I wonder if it's a little bit like that reaction I have when I get an email announcing that I've won the lottery and that I should celebrate. It's all I have to do is reply with my bank account details, and they'll transfer the money to me straight away. Rejoice, they say. Greatly troubled by those emails. <laughs> And Mary, I think, is not too sure how to take her news. But Gabriel reassures her, yes, it's really true. Verse 30, don't be afraid, Mary, you have found favour with God. Time and again, the story of the Bible is that God's way is to pick the least obvious choice. He loves to work with the insignificant, the undeserving, the left out, the passed over. They are the ones who seem best able to trust him. And so God can use those people. Now that's good news for us, isn't it? We don't have to meet a performance standard uh, to, to make it in. He doesn't choose us because we deserve it, because we measure up or are special or are famous or are talented. So trust the God who does the impossible. That's all that's required. Trust him. Back to Mary, Uh, Gabriel gets into the meat of the message that if the first part's been hard to take, just wait till he gets to the second part. This bit really does seem impossible. Verse 31, you'll be with child and give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus. Okay, not so hard to cope with. It's a fair bet someday uh, she'll have children. Nothing too out of the ordinary there. It's not a bad name either. Jesus, Yeshua in Hebrew, the Lord saves. But Gabriel goes on, this is no normal baby. He'll be the greatest king ever, verse 32. Not just a son of Mary, but the son of the Most High, God's son. He'll be king on his ancestor David's throne. Now David was the top of Israel's history in terms of kings, and Jesus will be a king like that. But even more astounding, verse 33, David was a king for 40 years, but Jesus will reign forever. His kingdom will never end. Who would have thought that such a mighty man would come from such humble beginnings as Mary? Certainly not Mary. She can't quite follow the process. Verse 34, how can this be, since I'm a virgin, young, no privilege, but more practically no husband? Why me? How will the world's greatest king come from me? But that's the way God works here and the way he often works. Nothing is impossible with God. He can even make a virgin a mother. Gabriel continues, verse 35, describing probably the most miraculous event in the Bible. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. Now now this is the key event for Christmas. In fact, it's the key event for the whole of Christianity. Christianity stands and falls on this event, on the virgin birth and what flows from it, the incarnation, God in flesh. God caused Mary to become pregnant Her baby was a son of woman and of God. The God-man. A totally unique, unrepeatable event. (laughs) I can imagine Dr Luke doing his research for this part of his biography. (laughs) Can you imagine it? Interviewing Mary, checking, rechecking the facts, puzzling over them. Tell me again, Mary, what did the angel say? Are you sure the power of the Most High will overshadow you? And my guess is Luke would take comfort in the words Gabriel said to Mary as well. you think this is hard to believe. Even Elizabeth is pregnant six months. Remember, nothing's impossible with God. Now, I think Luke would go away from her, his meeting with Mary and scratching his head and looking at his notes and saying, I've seen plenty of births. I know how pregnancy happens. It's not like this. Just remember, Luke, just remember, nothing's impossible with God. Nothing's impossible with God. Well, the angel's reassurance, uh, it works for Mary. Despite being troubled earlier, she's satisfied. She accepts his word. Uh, Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. It's literally, behold, the Lord's servant. May it be to me, as you've said. In other words, bring it on. She trusted God's word hard as it is to believe. And then, verse 39, she showed that trust by rushing off to see her relative Elizabeth. She wants to be part of her happiness too. She wants to hear her story and she wants to share in the good things that God is doing for them both. They'll both have babies. Who would have thought? An old woman and a virgin. And she arrives and she greets Elizabeth. But it's not just, did you notice, it's not just Mary and Elizabeth who are excited. God is pretty excited as well at this event. He makes the baby John in Elizabeth jump around. And God fills Elizabeth as well. Verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. John's getting in on the action, on all the joy. Uh, back in verse 15, the angel had said that John would be filled from the, with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. It look, looks like God's at work already. God's Holy Spirit is excited that Jesus is coming. His plans are unfolding. John is doing somersaults because he's heard Mary's voice, the one who's bearing Jesus. The one the Father has pleased in. The greatest plan in history is unfolding. And God loves it. Elizabeth loves it as well. Verse 42, she says to Mary, Blessed are you among women, blessed is a child you will bear. But why am I so favoured, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. She's talking to Mary, talking about Mary. Mary's believed in the God who can do the impossible. And so she's blessed. Because when you believe God, he can work out his plans in you. And then Mary joins in. Uh, A famous song Uh, There's some celebration of her own. Uh, Nothing is impossible, so praise God. Look at verse 46. Mary sings, My soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. (laughs) Just like the angel had commanded her uh, way back when he first appeared, rejoice. Uh, She's finally doing it. She's rejoicing. Uh, Why? Verse 48. For God has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Mary recognises there's nothing significant about her. There's nothing worthy, nothing immaculate. She's a normal girl willing to trust God. And she praises God for his mercy. He's noticed his humble servant and then done great things. But not just for me, Mary goes on to sing. God is continuing his usual method of operation. She knows her Bible. God has done great things for insignificant people all the way through history. He's turned the way the world sees things on its head. Verse 50, she sings, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He's performed mighty deeds with his arm. He's scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. To Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers, Perhaps she's thinking of old Sarah, Abraham's barren wife. Or sad Hannah, Samuel's barren mother. Perhaps she's thinking of frightened, doubting Gideon. Or Saul, from the smallest clan of the smallest tribe, hiding among the baggage, chosen to be king. Or perhaps she's thinking of Jesse's boy, David, youngest son of the family chosen to replace Saul. All humble, lowly people that God has been mindful of and chosen. And this upside-down work of God, it's one of the big themes of the book of Luke. And so this song from Mary, it's like a heading for all the stories that follow through Luke's gospel. When Jesus grows up and begins his ministry, it's the way Jesus did things. Jesus chooses the outsiders of society and he loves them with compassion and mercy. The rejects, the lost, the least, the last, women, children, lepers, tax collectors, prostitutes. Jesus has come for the sick, not the healthy. And Jesus is just continuing God's long line of doing things this way. It's the same basis on which God chooses us now because of his mercy, not our merits. Ephesians 2 describes the incomparable riches of God's grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast chosen by grace not goodness chosen by mercy not merits now it's this upside down way of doing things that we celebrate at christmas who would have thought who would have thought that that would be the way to bring about victory Who would have thought that that would be the way to defeat the insidious power of sin and death? That the eternal God would become finite man. The transcendent God would get right down in the muck and the mess of our world. But praise God that he did. Praise God that he chooses insignificant people like you and me, like Mary and Elizabeth. Praise God that nothing's impossible with God. So this Christmas time, wonder afresh at God's greatest gift, Jesus, the eternal, infinite Son of God, who put off his rights and power, who took on human flesh with its weakness and sickness and brokenness so that he could win us to himself. And trust him, trust him, a saviour to deal with our sin and guilt. Trust him as Lord to rule our life. Trust him to represent us before the Father. Trust him that nothing is impossible with him. Trust Jesus in the small choices you face each day. Trust that when Jesus calls you to obedience, he will equip you to do it. And as I think back over this year, can I just say how encouraged I am when I look at many of you who I know are doing just that. Day after day, trusting God in the ordinary, everyday decisions of life. As you cope cheerfully with chronic health conditions or debilitating anxiety or discouraging long-term unemployment, or difficult family situations, or challenges to remain godly at work or amongst friends. Long-term, uncelebrated, unrecognised service of God's people in ministry. You are living out this truth that nothing is impossible with God. Believe it. Live it out. Give yourself in grateful, humble service of your servant king. Follow his example. Offer yourselves like Mary to the God who uses insignificant people to achieve his incredible purposes. Behold, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. That's a good prayer, isn't it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we don't understand your purposes, your choices, but we rejoice that you choose the humble and you bring down the proud. You choose us, not by works, but purely by grace. We thank you that it's because of the the merits of another that you count us acceptable in your sight. Uh, What a wonderful truth to celebrate and rejoice in. We pray that as we think about these events, we might rejoice in Jesus and trust him. Amen.